This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Talk money to me. Hello and welcome to Talk Money To Me. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Candice Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. Now, as we've wrapped up the Australian reporting season, we're going to discuss portfolio positioning for 2023, the sectors we're liking at the moment and the sectors we're underweight within the Australian market. We're also going to explore the topic of stagflation to disinflation. That's right. We'll have a few predictions as well. Felicity, maybe some ideas. So stay tuned towards the end of the episode not to miss out on some great investable ideas. Now, before we reveal more of the stocks for 2023 to consider, please remember our chat today is not personal advice, even though we are registered financial advisors at Shore & Partners. Please note that this podcast and the content discussed does not constitute as financial advice, nor is it a financial product. The content on this podcast is general in nature and you should seek appropriate professional advice before you make any of your investment decisions. Exactly. Now, it's based on facts known at the time of recording, which is the 10th of March, 20. 23. Alrighty, done and dusted. Let's kick it off. So as we're talking about the current state of play in the Australian stock market and the buzzword stagflation, a really quick side note, guys. Stagflation essentially means persistent higher inflation combined with high unemployment and a slowdown in economic growth in the economy. What we're seeing as we wrapped Australian reporting season is that we are peaking rates and we have weaker growth. But the question the market is debating right now is how much more does the consumer have left in the tank? The domestic economy is resilient but slowing, so we are thinking GDP moderates sharply in 2023 to about 1.4% year on year. The RBA rate hike, obviously, that's been a trend throughout last year and we think will continue this year. We obviously saw 25 basis points just recently in March. And again, we think it will be a peak in around May time of about 3.85% is what we're thinking. That's it. And that should be the last of them. Hopefully, fingers crossed, because we do expect further down the year, around November time, that we might see the first set of RBA cuts of about 25 basis points. But now we see potentially 125 basis points, that's a 1.25%, which we previously thought in the market was predicting about one basis point. So we're looking towards around 2.6 as the new rate by Q4 of 2024. And finally, the labour market remains strong and wages are expecting, we hope, to lift. There is still this leftover savings from the prior stimulus in the household budget, essentially. So that's looking relatively still healthy there. Yeah, exactly. So we still have a lot of, I guess, the COVID stimulus. Now, we also think that earnings downgrades are likely to reassert themselves. What we mean by that is we have been in an earnings downgrade cycle since May 2022. We see earnings estimates falling in total by up to about 15%, with this to play out through to mid-2023. Now, we don't see a GFC-sized earnings fall given one we see no Aussie recession. Two, ROEs are not stretched. 
three, earnings do not look out of line with long-term trends. And four, balance sheets are looking really sound. Which is a good, I guess, state of play to be in as a company going into this environment, right, Felicity? So again, also what we did see recently is that profit margins have been maintaining as businesses continue to feel comfortable passing on the high input cost to the customers. So, you know, that essentially means companies are still able to pass on the cost of inflation down to their customer. And we saw this particularly in the telco sector with higher mobile subscription prices and from the general insurances and health providers through the increased premiums. Ouch. We hate when that happens, don't yeah, we? Lucky as it's passed on to the customer. <laughs> That's right. Always ends with the customer. But this tells the story of the domestic customer and consumer. We're still looking reasonably resilient and in a solid position. So with consumer-facing businesses still willing to spend, corporate profit margins thus far have been maintained, we think. Bottom up, we're looking comfortable, we think, by the EBIT margin, sitting nearly around the 15% long-run average range. Margins will be aided, we think, through the first half of the fiscal 2023 year as input costs and supply chains ease and labour returns. And we're thinking that, you know, our view and UBS's view is that by the end of 2023, the target of 7,500 points, uh, which kind of implies a rise of around 6% over calendar year 2023 for the ASX 200. We really think that soft landings are possible and that consecutive years of negative returns on the ASX are really rare. It's only happened when CPI was still accelerating into the second year. Keep in mind that in 1994, RBA tightening cycle was even more abrupt than this cycle. So this hasn't been the tightest and the quickest. Uh, The economy subsequently managed to avoid a recession in 1995 after falling in 1994. The Australian equity market actually pushed higher in 1995 and continued to post positive years for each year until 2002. That's right. So let's hope we don't have a hard landing and it's in fact soft, right? Hopefully history repeats itself here. (laughs) So if we kind of think about 2023, Felicity, you know, what we've been speaking about a lot lately and hopefully our listeners are hearing the term, it's a stock picker's market. And that's what I think the rest of 2023 is going to look like. It's going to be hopefully less on the macro news and more on the actual companies looking at the balance sheets and their profit margins. So throughout, you know, mid last year, equities were priced for that harder landing um, in terms of the economic outcome here in Australia, which we never really agreed with here at Talk Money to Me. You know, property related equities still seem priced in for a recession we think. And fears around the economic hard learning have increased, particularly from the building material, steel and traditional media companies and sectors. And finally, worth noting, discretionary retailers noted a pullback in big ticket item sales, while supermarkets and food producers, you know, staples are seeing trading down to a lower value item. So we're going down to like the, the cheaper kind of items there, right? From your luxury goods. So we're going tuna and rice yeah. with a bit of cupy mayo <laughs> when things get tight. Um, back to uni days. Um, but the consumer is really resilient. So consumer spending continues to impress. Aided 
by the large amount of household savings which were built up through COVID, like we mentioned earlier. Now, the consumer is still certainly spending and for every negative trading update we saw, there was a positive one. Anything travel-related remains particularly strong while consumers are still showing a willingness to revenge spend through 2023. Uh, Because we were locked up for a couple of years, everyone is travelling. I know I am. That's the best expression to come out of COVID, revenge spend, I reckon. (laughs) That's so good. Just want to take a quick moment here to pause because literally this week as we're recording this episode, Felicity, you know, we've been speaking about how the US is talking about, you know, a 6% kind of interest rate margin likelihood. And then what we said earlier is that we might kind of peak towards the end of this year and then come off to like 2 3%, which is what the RBA likes. So we're really starting to move differently. And I think you can see that in the bond yields too, because earlier this week, the US long duration bonds, like the five, 10 years, touched over again, the 4% yield. And then historically coming back to Australia, if you look at the long and dated bond yields in Australia, they've already peaked by the time the RBA begins its policy rate height cycle. This is historically. So if we look back in 1994, it peaked in August. Throughout the period of 1999 in the 2000, it peaked from November to May. More recently in 2022, it peaked through May and November. So again, coming back to what we said earlier, we are more confident than we were at the end of last year that we will have this soft landing and all the work has been done and inflation's getting under control and the RBA can kind of ease off towards the latter half of this year. Now, if we go to valuations, they derated meaningfully through the first half of 2022 as bond yields soared higher. P ratios have now kind of neutralised and sit close to mid-cycle levels. Now, the evolution of Australian stocks from discounted to premium valuations versus global is a product of bringing down inflation expectations. Can this continue? Yeah, great question. Well, I think what we are debating right now is rates now provide some competition against equities in the eyes of asset allocators and investment advisors, right? Like what we do. And we think that Aussie equity valuations are now more in line with bond yields. So the bigger picture here for earnings and profitability, you know, is that we're suggesting that it's not obviously an over-earning risk for the Australian equity market. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we actually had some of our best bond buys in November last year for some of our clients that were buying direct bonds. So that makes a lot of sense. Now we're going to hear more about our UBS key overweight for 2023 and underweights, as well as 10 stocks to buy and hold for the next 10 years. But before we do, let's hear from our sponsors. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. And we are back. So according to UBS, who we tap into for the ASX Top 100 in particular, the key overweights for 2023 in the Australian market are, firstly, energy. Secondly, infrastructure and utilities. We like real assets, so infrastructure utilities, because they have strong balance sheets and secure dividends, which is always nice in a challenging environment for the backdrop of equity prices that we're seeing. Thirdly, insurances. So leading into the recent Feb, March 
Australian reporting season, the insurance sector overall was sitting at its largest PE relative discount to the banks in 20 years. We love a discount. And then finally, (laughs) technology. We are actually recommending going overweight in this environment because it fits with the transition from the macro data telling us now that we're looking towards the end of this year a lot better, you know, that earnings are driving through this cycle, they're going to be more positive in the long duration. Technology usually does well in a disinflationary environment and they've been sold off heavily. So even companies that actually are going to be cash flow positive, you know, by FY23 or end of this calendar year have been hit really hard. And we know that technology is something that we all need to move forward, right? The economy is constantly evolving in technology to move forward and they have key underweights. So the first one is building material. Now, history tells us that when the RBA pauses, it does not stop property-related equities underperforming. We don't actually see this relief to this sector until the RBA easing cycle is imminent. Then we've also got healthcare as an underweight, which I think you probably aren't going to agree with, Candice, and then real estate. Now, they also have a neutral positioning on banks, consumer discretionary, consumer staples, industrials, and mining. I'll probably take a different view that mining and resources, we kind of want to be overweight because we are at the beginning of a commodity super cycle. And like I said, I don't think you're going to agree with healthcare, Candice. Yeah, you obviously know me well. We must work together or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't agree with the underweight healthcare. I mean, if you wanted to challenge that, you know, maybe go neutral healthcare. But I think the fact that if we look at the Australian economy, it's an aging population. Plus, there are some really great recession-proof defensive healthcare businesses, in my opinion, that pay a dividend, have a solid balance sheet, and they're growing in the current market conditions, whether they're tough or not, whatever your stance is. What comes to my mind is Sonic Healthcare, for example. So just going back to the key overweights, I just want to spend a moment here going a bit deeper into our thinking here. So we recently upgraded our opinion of the infrastructure sector to be overweight. That's an overweight recommendation due to its competitive yields, which are no longer threatened by rising discount rates, in our opinion. Yeah, we mentioned that insurances in Australia are looking very compelling versus Aussie banks. Both sectors enjoyed EPS revisions through the late last year, but insurance stock, insurance stocks have lagged. So we expect a bit of a catch up. So I want to give you some high conviction ideas here. Now, the first one is actually going to be in resources. Um, one of the top picks is IGO or Independence Group with a price target of over $18. We are also liking South 32 and a few reasons why we are liking that name is that they had a really strong revenue and EBITDA beat recently. So underlying revenue of US uh, 4.5 million was strong and ahead of expectations. Similarly, so was the EBITDA. It was a very nice, impressive number there. Strong guidance, so production volumes expected to lift by 6% in the first half of FY23. They declared a fully frank dividend, tick, 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 always love that, um, of 4.9 cents. That's US, by the way. And they have a really big share buyback plan. Um, It's expanded by US 50 million. So there is a lot of cash left to return to the shareholders through buyback, which is always a good thing in my opinion. And that is expected to be done by September 2023. Yeah, no, a buyback is always good. Uh, We're now, by the time this episode actually drops, IGO would have gone ex-dividend. So it might actually be a really good time to buy that position. And with South 32, Candice? It already went ex. It was yesterday. So ex-dividend was the 9th of March. So today would be the book's close date. Okay. So you're just going to miss out. Um, You'll miss out on IGO as well. 
But again, a good time to get into shares when they've gone ex-dividend if you want to hold them for the next dividend and the long term. Yeah, but even if you're not income focused, like Felicity's saying, income stocks, when they go X, they will typically drop the amount of the dividend. So it'll be sold off, right? Um, but you're going to miss the dividend. Now, just quickly on South 32's valuation, the consensus price target of the next 12 months is to reach $5.17 per share. So that's about 15% upside on current levels as we record this episode. That's great. Yeah, we actually saw that with the Woodside this week, right? It was off over 7.5% at one point. Um, and for us, that was a really good opportunity to start buying this position for clients or topping up where we want a bit a higher allocation because of energy. Correct. Number one sector. Now, let's just quickly touch on in the insurance space. So QBE, in our opinion, is looking interesting and so is Suncorp. And if we go down the industrial routes and utilities, we're also liking Aristocrat, Amcor, Qantas, I recently pitched that on a Autopad, Telstra, No Brainer, Transurban, Treasury Wine and Wally. Now, obviously, we've listed companies that will do well in this environment. We also want to list a few companies where cost of goods are rising, but passing on through to the consumer actually may be difficult. So the first company that we think watch out is Adairs, uh, because inflation in cotton and freight with the competitive retail landscape really limits the ability for these cogs to be passed through. Then we've got bigger cheese. So it's a really labour intensive business with dairy being 30% of cogs and it really lacks pricing power against supermarkets. And for the final three companies that we're kind of watching closely are more in the buildings, material and real estate sectors of the market. So thirdly, Borrell, unhedged and operating in a competitive East Coast market. You know, that's kind of limiting, we think, their ability to push up prices. Fourthly, Blue Scope Steel, elevated coal prices here and pig iron prices. So the selling price of the value added steel tends to be sticky versus steel prices. And then finally, kind of packaging up in the real estate uh, sector, Stockland Group and Mervac Group, we're rising home building costs are increasing. This is putting pressure and I think risks really uh, on the demand for land going forward. So just kind of watching those names in particular. Yeah, so I think that's some really good reasoning um, and you can actually apply that thesis to other companies that could be potentially in your portfolio that you believe COGS can't be passed on to the consumer because that's not ideal in this environment. Now, we wanted to point out though, after peak inflation, the Australian equity market records an average gain of over 14% over the following 12 months. So high dividends also allow superior total returns for Australian equities. So we are quite bullish and still overweight on Aussie equities versus international. With that, we're going to finish off by 10 ideas to hold for the next 10 years. And these are your blue chip names here. So let's go. Quick round of 10. Number one, it's an order pad of mine, BHP, industrial leader in the asset quality um, space with strong long-term strategy and contracts, owning a range in their portfolio of long life, expandable upstream assets, diversified through all different commodities, geographies and markets, strong balance sheets, great dividend policy, slightly cut, but still good and requires a 50% payout ratio at the moment in terms of the dividend. Yeah, which is great. Then we've got CBA, which is one of the world's largest banks with Australian 1.1 trillion in assets. It's overall a best in class with the highest quality franchise among the Australian majors for its earning mix, platform and technology lead. Thirdly, ID. DP Education, the code IEL. 
This company is a leading provider of international student placement services and English testing services. So the company offers digital marketing and events services, full operations, all through multi-language English schools in Southeast Asia. Four, then we have REA or realestate.com.au. It's an online advertising business specialising in real estate. In addition to its flagship site, though, the company is actually branched out to mortgage broking, commercial real estate, and owns and controls a stake in an Indian real estate classified business. Yeah, not really a real estate traditional play there, more of a media tech, right? It really is, yeah. Fifth, Suncorp, S-U-N is the code. Suncorp is one of the two most predominant players in the Australian market in terms of attractive home and motor insurance market, which enjoys strong customer retention and high teens ROA, return on assets. We think it's undervalued at the moment and the bank sale next year will assist in unlocking more value. Then we've got Transurban, the code is TCL, which is Australia's largest road toll company with the strategy to build, own and operate toll road networks with a weighted average expiry of 2052. The group endeavours to pay out approximately 100% of annual free cash flow to security holders, which is unheard of. Yeah, infrastructure, tick, tick, tick. Next, we have the Lottery Corporation, the code TLC, and that operates, as the name says, lotteries and keno products here in Australia. And the business is exclusively licensed to operate all of Australia's state lotteries besides WA and distribute through almost 4,000 retail outlets nationally and through digital channels. Okay. And we've got number eight, which is West Farmers. Now this is a conglomerate with the majority of its focus on retail divisions, especially Bunnings with further upside also comes from its non-retail divisions, which is West CEF which actually operates across chemicals, energy and fertilising industries with a lithium project. So that's actually pretty exciting for West Farmers. Definitely is. Number nine is Worley. So the code here is WOR. And this is a global engineering advisory and project management services company, which has a long-term energy transition winner, in our opinion, offering leverage to a potential fourfold increase in global sustainable energy and decarbonisation investment, which is very topical and very much needed over the next 30 years. Last but not least is WiseTech. So this is a global software solutions company that develops, sells and implements software to logistics service providers. Now it's called platform CargoWise customers include 24 of the top 25 global freight forwarders and 41 of the top 50 third-party logistics providers. So there we go, 10 for the next 10 years. Do you think the management of WiseTech are like, we just need to get that one last top global freight customer? Absolutely. <laughs> that would annoy me. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode. We wanted to just give you a quick update on the Australian market, the state of play, stagflation to hopefully disinflation, hopefully slower or pausing RBA rates to come this year um, and some sectors to be overweight and what to look out for in terms of underweights. Now, before we sign off, please remember, although Felicity and I are financial advisors at Shore and Partners, as always, the discussion today does not constitute as personal financial advice. If any of this has sparked your interest, you know, always we ask you to go out and seek professional financial advice or reach out to us because it's important that we know your circumstances before you make your investment decisions. That's it. And everything is based on the 10th of March, 2023. I just want to say that again. And feel free to reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email, which is displayed in our show notes below. If you follow our Instagram, you're going to get daily market updates. So make sure you follow us. Until next time. Happy stock picking. 
Talk Money to Me is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Talk Money to Me are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Talk Money to Me acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.